0: Everything went really bad after that and really become quite unwell. And I did nearly cross over and did baby Jess. However, I didn't. And then I sat there thinking afterwards, they were there to support me. They were there to guide me. I thought anything that's that beautiful can't be anything bad. So after that, I started to attend spiritualist churches and start to read and start to develop and look at it from a different angle. And I think that's all it takes in the beginning to override your fear, looking at most things in life from a different angle and from a fresher
1: perspective. And it all started to change from there. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Mother Mask. I'm your host, Annie Breen, registered nutritional therapist, master NLP practitioner, and transformational coach for exhausted mums who don't feel enough. My mission with this podcast is to lead with vulnerability by starting to lift the psychological mask you wear each day that protects you and others from the stuff that's hard to explain and talk about. It's about sharing from the middle, not just the open wounds or the healed scabs, but the messy middle. Let's go for honesty over perfection because I believe when you transform yourself, You automatically transform your relationships and parenting by passing down wisdom, not wounds. So, if you're up for that, you definitely don't need to do it alone. I'm here to lead you on what could be the greatest adventure of your life, behind the mother mask, back home to yourself. Hello and welcome to episode three of Behind the Mother Mask. I hope you're well. Do let me know how you are. I love to hear from you and I'd love to hear what you think of the episode so far. It's really lovely receiving your feedback and hearing that you can relate to it. Um, I'm mainly on Instagram, so drop me a message there. Or if you go to the show notes, you can contact me directly through email. I really love to hear from you. So this week, another exciting guest and someone who has played a big, big role in my own personal professional business development. And that is the amazing celebrity psychic medium that is Katie Halliwell. (laughs) Give her a little drum roll. And like Jo, her name comes up in most of my conversations. Katie said this, Katie said that. And that is because I have been in Katie's world for about three years now. And originally I went to her, I heard about her through a friend and went to her for a private uh, personal reading so from that, and the insights that I got, and I'll always remember, I've got my notes from that reading. And just to kind of explain a psychic medium, um, and this is my interpretation, black and white, is someone who can connect with spirits, So those who are passed over, and they channel information, advice, wisdom, insights through them, and then they pass you the message. It's quite incredible. Feels very special to be able to have someone like Katie in my life. Yeah. So on my first reading, I remember she said to me that um, Bonnie is very headstrong and strong willed and traditional parenting methods do not work on Bonnie. <laughs> and that's what free feels like four years down the line. Maybe it's three years. I can tell you that's true. So <laughs> she was definitely right. <laughs> Another thing with Katie, so I went on then to work with her in a more business capacity and have been in her in her groups and her programs, working with her ever since. And it was actually through her that this podcast was born. Because it was a message that I got through her and spirit saying that they see me with a microphone that I need to be talking. I need to be using my voice. And that is my strongest gift, my strongest kind of means of communication and reaching those that I'm here to serve. So here we go, blame her if it all goes wrong. (laughs) Just kidding. So I can't say enough good things about Katie. I don't want to babble on because this is such an insightful episode. Her story is chilling. It's incredible. You know, I'm sure that you've maybe not heard anything like this before. So if you go to the show notes, you can see what Katie does. She helps people develop their gift who have psychic abilities. She helps people connect with spirit. She helps people become more connected to themselves. She works with multiple six-figure female entrepreneurs to help them uncover where they can grow and develop their business and every aspect of their lives. She works with celebrities. There's so much she does. So without further ado, Let's go behind the mother mask and hear our conversation with Katie Helliwell.
0: So, hi, Katie. Hello, my darling. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, honestly, thank you. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm also excited to share you with um, (laughs) my audience because we've, I've probably been in your world for the past couple of years now, isn't it? Yeah, easily a couple of years, probably a little bit longer, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And originally I was drawn to you because uh, for personal reasons, you know, I wanted a reading um, and we'll go into a little bit about what you do, but then it kind of evolved from there that we've ended up working together more in a business capacity, which is a large part of your work as well. And honestly, I've been, I've just been away at the weekend doing some other therapy. Your name comes up everywhere I go. and it's getting a little bit funny because it's like Katie said this (laughs) well actually (laughs) Katie said this Um... (laughs) (laughs) so I thought I need to speak to you and I need to speak to you on this platform because I need other mums to know about you so we're going to talk about that a bit more but are you happy just to introduce yourself who you are? Thank you for that lovely intro here
0: so yes I've known you for a while now and I, I love being around you your energy what you're about and thank you for inviting me onto this podcast, because it's not very often that people are honest about motherhood. So I'm going to be very honest with you all today. So feel free to ask me anything. But just to introduce myself, so my name is Katie Helliwell. I'm a psychic medium and a spiritual business coach. And it's such a when I say that people go, what you, you do what? So what I do is I give people guidance and I activate them and I help them understand who they really are at soul purpose and who they really are deep within their core and allow that person to be activated and stand forward. And underneath that comes a whole host of things that we need to maybe work on or maybe need to look deep into. But what I've noticed in my career is that everyone's so beautifully unique, even in the way that your guides speak to to people like myself, and even in the way that you deliver what it is that you deliver, even if there's 20,000 other people in the world doing exactly the same as you, you've got your own bespoke way of doing it and letting that shine and stand forward rather than trying to mold yourself into being one of the crowd and like everybody else because that's the way things are done. So spirituality has so many angles and I'm ashamed to say that for a long time I turned my back on my gift and felt as if it was the ball and chain around my neck and then it wasn't until later years after working behind the scenes on it for many, many years, but never fully accepting who I am at core and soul level, it was the thing that set me free. It was the, it was literally what set me free. And I do feel at times a little bit frustrated about that. And that's possibly why I talk so much everywhere on every platform you can imagine, in every format and every communication level you can imagine, because I don't want anyone else to go through that. And I want to change how spiritualism is perceived. And I want everyone to understand that there's different areas and different ways that you can access it to really activate you. And so it helps you as an individual. And that's what I'm about. So I've got a massive, massive purpose. And that's the only way I can really describe it.
1: <laughs> so I hope that's a good enough intro. I think it's brilliant. And for me, it's exactly that. It was opening another door, you know, it was opening something to something bigger, that we are not just our physical selves. There's more, there's more to us, there's more to life. And I think um, (laughs) I'm quite an empath, like it wasn't enough for me to just be dealing with the resources I could see physically. I knew I felt energy, I feel energy. And I just, I think that's what you did is you opened up the door to another world. And it feels very special to be able to have Mm -hmm. access to that information. And just a couple of things you said, and we'll go into your story, but fitting in, like how many of us try and fit in. And if we don't, we think we're wrong or bad or there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And your gift is very unique. So I can imagine you felt different for a long time, especially as a kid. Yeah, I felt
0: really, I was the, I was a bit of a peculiar child. And I don't want to say peculiar because every child's different, but I was the child that wore the ball gown every day because I wanted to feel like a princess in every moment. I couldn't understand why life couldn't be like a princess tale every moment. I couldn't understand why going to the park where I'd get muddy didn't mean that I couldn't wear my princess gown. So I'd still climb the trees, but I'd be in a princess dress with my hat. I mean, when I say princess, I mean full on expensive puffball italian gown like full on and with my wellingtons and that was me that was i used to ride my bike with it i'd get the net stuck in the bike but it was because i always felt that every moment should be special so i was very unique as in people just kind of just left me to it in the end but to me every moment i was always ready for a special moment every time was celebrated But I did feel very, very different. And I spent a lot of my time as I grew older trying to blend in. In particular, in my teenage years, I did everything to be like everyone else. So if somebody was wearing a certain outfit, I'd go and buy it as well. And then if somebody was having their hair permed, remember the perm days? Uh Everyone had their hair permed. And I was like, I'm going to go get my hair permed. But my parents are hairdressers and wouldn't let me. They're like, no, you'll ruin your hair. So I was the only person that didn't have permed hair. And I was like, that was huge. That nearly tipped me over the edge because I wanted to be so blended in. Um, It meant so much for me to not stand out and not be singled out in any way. So it was so bizarre. I had no idea
1: who I really was, which is quite sad. And scary, like as a child. So when did you first know? Because you wouldn't have seen it necessarily as a gift when you were little, would you? It probably was a hit, a a scary thing, you know, something that felt wrong. So when did you first notice that? And what, what was that like for people that, you know, can't connect with spirit in terms of, you know, don't have, are not mediums.
0: So for a long time, when I was younger, I didn't really realize that I was different. So from the age of about three, my parents caught me talking to the lady who used to own our house, where they still live now. And I'd tell them details on her at the age of three. So, and they were like, well, how would she even know this? And then they were quite spooked and a bit like, oh gosh. And then after that, I see relatives, but then I would also see children. So to me, I thought I had no association. These children hadn't quite come to the door and come in and my parents hadn't said hello to them and they hadn't come up to the room and play. They just played with me. They just came into my room and played. Now, I can only associate this with when you take your children on holiday and say you're in another country. And for some reason, you're on the beach, but all the kids, even though they don't speak the same language, they just play. Mm-hmm. And it's so bizarre, isn't it? And I think it's so lovely. And it really is one of my things when the girls are growing up that I absolutely adored. You know, it didn't matter. They all just built the sandcastles and they laughed and they played. There was nothing needed, no explanations needed. And I felt like that with my spirit friends, my spirit children friends, but they wore this is probably why I wore the ball gowns. They always wore very, very smart clothes. So they always had like Victorian outfits on and the long socks. And there was a little boy that used to play and he'd have shorts that were like the short dungarees, but they were that thick, like gray material with a nice shirt. And I'm like, wow, don't they look so smart? So then the ball gowns came out. So that was all I'd wear. But when I used to go to Tammy Girl, I couldn't find the outfits. And I was like, why can I not find these outfits? And I'd say to my mom, I'm looking for this. And she'd be like, what are you on about? They, they don't do those clothes. Wear a t-shirt and some leggings. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I want this. So it was a very, very odd, but it wasn't until I was seven or eight. So I was very happy until that point, seven or eight. And I remember saying to my mom, oh, so and sos coming for tea. Can you just place a, a little seat for them? And she looked and she went, yes, but she looked the other way to where they were. So I realized then that she was actually pretending. So all this time I was telling her that people were coming to play with me and talk to me. She's going, oh, yeah. And she thought they were imaginary friends because she used to have an imaginary, and I'm doing speech marks for those that can't see me, imaginary friend as a child. She's gifted as well, but won't face it. Anyway, so she looked the opposite direction. So then I realized, and I just remember that to my stomach thinking, why can't she see them? And I said, they're here. And she went, oh, yes, I'm sorry. I looked the wrong way. No, you didn't look. Why are you looking over there? They're here. You can't see them. And then that was it. It was just like the floodgates opened. I went into a full meltdown. I wouldn't sleep in my own bed. I was aware that there was things everywhere. And it was like this whole, I don't know whether this was a little bit of my fears or what I expected, but I don't understand this part. I literally had spirit coming through, but they would like jump in front of my face. They it was like there was no filter at all. There was nothing, no filter. Like I'd see things that were quite horrific, like fires, and I'd see people drowning on boats, and then we wake up the next day and it'd be on the news that somebody, a, a boat had sank miles away in the Pacific somewhere and loads of people had died. Like the, the, All this started happening, but as a child, that was really quite horrific. So the only way I could actually cope was listening to my Walkman every night. Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan saved my life. And I'd listen to them at full pelt and I learned to go to sleep with really loud music. But back then we didn't have airpods. So my parents used to come in and take them off me because they were scared. I'd wrap them around my neck in the night and kill myself. <laughs> so they were like, right. So then I'd wake up in the night, no Walkman on, and then it would all come. So i like, oh, because spirit wake you up in awakening hours between like three and four and things like that. So I'd wake up and then I'd be in their bed and I'd be crying. So I was sleep deprived for a number of years and it was really quite horrific. It was traumatic. So I built up such codes within me that spirit is scary and fearful and a gift is such a pain that to come a full 360 the other way
1: is quite mm. remarkable. A hundred and, percent. And what was the turning point? When did things oh. change? Was there like a mentor? Was there someone that like took you seriously and, and listened to you and, Not that your parents didn't, but they must have been, like you said, your mum. That's so interesting. She wasn't facing it. Still won't now. She says, I don't know how you do it. Wow. I just can't. Yeah. Even though she sees me
0: happy and content now, she still won't face it. However, when the real turning point, sadly, was when I was 23. So I had all of those years, the partying years helped drown them out. Um, You know, trying to be normal and all that kind of jazz. Working really hard in my corporate job, that really kept me grounded as well. So, and switched off because I was so tired. There was no real time for any spiritual connection. So I did everything I could to drain myself so that I couldn't really tune in. So I was never fully ever relaxed, if that makes sense. I was always going out, I was always shopping, I was always doing something and I never sat still. So then when I was 23, I was having my first child, Jessica, and I was in the delivery room and it was Christmas Day, Christmas Eve this was, so Christmas Eve, she was born Christmas morning. And I remember sitting there and it wasn't going well. Like I got high blood pressure and I'd got preeclampsia and things like that. So they got me in and put me on um, a drip to speed things along. And it was all okay; Nothing major happened. But then the Christmas, (laughs) Christmas Eve is not the time to have a baby. That's the only time I can say to you. People are walking around singing Christmas carols. You couldn't give a crap. It's Christmas Day. You just want to have your baby. So they're all singing Christmas carols, they're giving you presents, everyone's really jolly and you're just like, can you leave me alone, I look like a bowling ball, leave me alone, I don't care. So I was sat there with this massive bump and lots of contractions, 23, scared, never changed a nappy before, didn't have a clue, completely oblivious to this motherhood malarkey. I'd only read up until after the birth, so I had no idea how to look after a child because I got that far, I couldn't cope with that bit, I'd only read the books to the birth, so I kind of knew what to expect. I'd watched the birth channel religiously for six months. So I'd seen all different scenarios. So I kind of knew a little bit of the lingo, but then I started to bleed and had placenta abruption um, and started to be really unwell. When they stabilised me and when everything was calm and they managed to get everything to go back to normal and they said, right, go to sleep now and just relax. So there was part of me that wouldn't accept this for a while because I was thinking I lost a lot of blood. Maybe I was kind of hallucinating. But at the time, I'd only lost one litre, which isn't a vast amount. So I was lying in there um, in the stirrups in the work delivery room, like just relaxing, just trying to get some rest while the oxytocin kicked in that they give you. And then I looked up and I could see all these people in the room. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And they did hospital tours back then, like the birthing suites. I was like, oh, my God, they've brought a hospital tour in here? Oh, my gosh. And I remember saying yes to it because I said, oh, yeah, I don't mind. So I was thinking, how rude. It's Christmas Eve and there's a hospital tour. And I woke my mum up and said, can you tell them to leave? And she said, tell who to leave? I said, can you tell them to leave, please? Because I don't want them here. I said, I'm, I don't feel very well. And she said, ask who? There's no one here. And then my mum went white. And she said, do not look at them. Do not look at them. She looked up all the monitors and said right okay and so she pressed the buzzer for the doctor and she says can you check her over something's not quite right I have a feeling so she knew that they were there to look after me Mm. so spirit were there to look after me these people all I didn't recognize any of them they're all different walks of life all different nationalities or different types of people really really bizarre just sat there smiling and chatting amongst themselves everything went really bad after that and really become quite unwell and I did nearly cross over did baby Jess however I didn't and then I oh. sat there thinking afterwards they were there to support me they were there to guide me I thought anything that's that beautiful can't be anything bad so after that I started to attend spiritualist churches and start to read and start to develop and look at it from a different angle and I think that's all it takes in the beginning to override your fear looking at most things in life from a different angle and from a fresher perspective And it
1: all started to change from there. I mean, that's incredible. It gives me chills listening to that. So how did that change your perspective? Because obviously, then you went on this journey of understanding and learning and reading more into it. And how did it change your perspective on life? It's almost like you go through these challenges and you were very young, Mm. and very unique challenges which feel scary at the time and I can imagine you you masked and you coped and you numbed out and you blocked out and Mm. you kind of denied yourself in a way now looking back what are the biggest lessons what are the biggest take-homes from that experience Mm. looking at it through this lens do
0: you mean from the near-death experience or do you mean from like having the epiphany to walk into the spirit world yeah going into that Yes, it was. I went in with very, very cautious feet and very, very like dipped my toe in the psychic sea, I call it, and then came back out again quick. So I would I was quite scared to really open up. So when I went to these spiritualist churches and they did like circle groups and they would literally put you in the room. There's no furniture. I don't know if anyone's ever been in. They're very bizarre places, lovely, welcoming people, um, very much welcome with both arms. But I sat down and I was very different again to them, which stood out to me. They all had a certain sense of style with their clothes. They all had a certain sense of unity about the lingo. Like they all understood this like lingo, this spiritual lingo that I had no idea. Um, Like all these terms and all these processes and all these practices. And I was like, I don't know what any of this means. Mm. So again, I felt I was there with face and makeup on at the time. I used to have my hair in like a a blonde bob. And, you know, it was very perfectly done. Um, I didn't wear the ball gowns, but I had like River Island clothes on like high street clothes, heels, I used to wear heels a lot back then, I wear trainers more now. So I looked very, very different. And sometimes I'd come from the corporate job. And I'd be in a full suit with heels and a nice handbag. And always had lots of perfume on and things like that. That's who I am. So I looked very bizarre, I didn't look like your average psychic, I didn't look like your average spiritualist at all, I still don't, but I just looked very bizarre compared to everybody else. They didn't bat any kind of eyelid at all, it was more my feeling, a feeling left out, so it triggered something, but I didn't realise what it was triggering, but it was being left out and not blending in, right. and I felt like, well, if I don't blend in here, and I don't blend in with normal people, where, where do I belong? So and then they'd make us sit there and bless them, which is the right thing to do in spiritual development. But they'd make you on the first session go into a deep trance meditation. There was not a chance I was going to do that because I sat there thinking, I don't know any of these people. What if I go to somewhere weird? All of those experiences I'd had as a child in the middle of the night were all cropping back up. What if I see something I don't want to see? What if I get a message so clearly for somebody in the room and I don't want to share it because it's too personal? Do I still share it? I, I just didn't know anything. And then when I did close my mind off, I was very much worrying about my child and very much worrying about had I done enough at home? Had I been there? What was ready in the morning? What I wonder if Matt had done her bottle on time. And I wonder if uh, there's enough bread in the cupboard and all of these things because you're juggling life. So I didn't ever switch off. And I'd sit, sit there like this watching the rest of the group with one eye open and then when they come around they'd all gone to these portals and other dimensions and met their spirit guides and I'd met no one and I'd been to Tesco in my head so <laughs> it was
1: <laughs> it's just not happening so I did really struggle. So getting into motherhood then what because that was a lot going on like you're figuring out figuring out being a mum and your gift and understanding that and obviously you felt like you didn't fit in as well and we know as mothers we we feel like that a lot and I think we kind of break ourselves sometimes to fit into boxes and narratives that don't suit us so how did your journey kind of transpire from there like what were the lessons from motherhood how did that shape you as a person and being a psychic as well how did that impact motherhood oh well I could feel my children at all levels right
0: so that's the one thing I haven't ever mastered. I haven't been able to switch off from my girls. And at the moment, they're teenagers, which I know you're going to come to. So we're facing different kinds of challenges now. So it's it's very hard to close off from them. Um, And I, I don't really ever want to, if I'm being honest, I don't ever want to totally disengage from them. But a dampened down version would be nice at times. But I felt almost as if I couldn't, I had a lot of fears around spirituality around my children. I was scared that I would attract a dark energy that would come and sit in my child's bedroom and scare them um, and I would bring that into the house and I would be responsible for that. I was also scared that it would derail my attention or drain my energy because when you're untrained in this kind of work it does drain your energy if you're not if you're not knowing the way to actually manage it and to manage your own well-being as well I had no clue. So if I drain my energy too much and did too much spiritual work would I be able to get up in the night? Would I be able to hear them cry? Would I be, you know, dead to the world and things like that. So there was a lot that was going on. So I didn't really have capacity. I mean, in the early days of motherhood, it's so full on, it really is. And also with working, going back to work, and you still got to be a wife and friend and daughter, you have got to see people and keep a house. And I was like, how do people actually do it? Like, seriously, how do people do it? So I was very much juggling and couldn't really give spirituality its all at the time. And I felt bad for that because I was in debt to spirituality because Mm -hmm. it had saved me in my head. And I was saved for something special. I was saved for something, a bigger purpose. And all I was doing was changing nappies and working day to day. And that didn't feel like I was living my sole purpose. That I knew that I'd been kind of like spared in a way. But then there was nothing coming of it. So I felt bad. I felt like I was wasting my life. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do.
1: Uh, On reflection, because you've got three girls now, haven't you? Mm -hmm. How did you... How did you manage that? Like, what was your mask? Were you um, kind of, were you performing? Were you getting through? Were you accepting that this is a time for them? Because I know what it feels like from working with you to not be living in alignment with your purpose. I kind of call it like you have an itchy soul, and I might have heard that from you that something just doesn't feel right, and that kind of itches away. It's irritating, and then you get irritated with people around you and you're irritated with your family so it's almost how did you find the time to honor yourself and your gift and manage what I can only imagine having three girls
0: (laughs) yeah well I'll tell you I had to put a lot of humor into it really so I had to put humor into it I am quite a humorous person as you know I like to enjoy life I like to laugh and that isn't to hide how I really feel but In the beginning with with Jessica, so Jessica's now, just give you some context, everyone that's listening, she's now 18 and a half. So when she was the youngest, she was two when Lucy was born. And then when Lucy, so Jess was six, Lucy was three, and then Lily was born, my youngest. So when there was three of them, (laughs) life really changed. And it got really, really busy. But with Jess, I wore the mask. With Jess, I pretended I knew everything. With Jess, I was the Gina Ford mom, and no offence to anyone that follows Gina Ford or anything like that, but I was neurotic. I used to print out a schedule of her schedule, I kid you not, her schedule, and I used to put it on the cupboard. So if any of the nannies or anyone else was babysitting her, they followed the schedule, and I would ring them and check that they were on schedule. So I'd ring them and say, is she eating her toast? I need to see a picture. Is she eating her lunch? Is she down for a nap? I need a picture. I was completely neurotic. So the mask I wore was control freak. I had to be a control freak. So if I didn't have all of that in control, then I was failing. So if she went to bed late. I was failing because the next day she would be waking up grumpy. So I lived my life like that to the T, to the point where even now at 18 and a half, at 11 o'clock, she looks for a snack because she is programmed <laughs> that intently. By 12.30, she's eaten her lunch or she's fainting. So she is still programmed to that schedule. She still goes to bed early for an 18 and a half year old. That's what she does. So she's that's how embedded it was in her. And then when Lucy came along, Lucy's a free thinker. So Jessica was a very, very good child. A very, She was like an angel. She was just a perfect child. So I had a full sense of security of motherhood with her. Because when Lucy arrived, oh my gosh that child is wild so she was absolute she was a free thinker she'd say why do I need to eat this at 11 o'clock what will happen to me I was like you just need to do it (laughs) You just do it the book says what book why so she was at the age of three challenging me as to why she had to live such a regimented life So she was really good for me because then I was thinking, I don't actually know because I won't be able to cope unless we have everything to schedule, because then I don't know what, I don't know what happened. So it was, that's how I wore it. I wore the perfect mask. I had the washing all done. Mm. The food delivery was done. We used to prep our food. We'd have, the house was pristine. The house is still pristine. I'm a bit OCD with that, but the house was pristine. I just had no, I would never admit that I wasn't actually coping. But what happened was on the days where we go out and enjoy farm days and all of that, which I really love. And I miss the farm days now. So Mm -hmm. I wish I'd been more present. We used to go on the farm days and I'd be like, right, if we get to the farm by 12 p.m., then she can sit down, go straight to the cafe, have her dinner. Then we can look at the farm uh, for literally a one hour, 30 minutes. Then we need to get back in the car. If there's any traffic, then we will miss her mid-nap so then she'll sleep longer Like so there was no I was racing around the sheep and not even paying any attention to the fact that she was enjoying the sheep or making the sounds of the sheep for her.
1: Can I ask you a question on that because yeah. I think so many people will relate to that they'll have their own version of that of not yeah. feeling present and you said i mean i know you're very insightful you said that control like perfectionism was your mask and it was the, to mask the fear of failure and yeah. i think a lot of people feel that so what you know now looking back what what was that fear of failure like where does it where do you think it comes from and maybe in people you've spoken to for your clients that you've worked with or yourself
0: yeah it's it's fascinating isn't it it's like where does it come from it's it's so I felt it's the overwhelm of being responsible for another human being yes that you're responsible for they turn out like I had I have got amazing parents and I just think from what I've learned that the childhood is everything. I didn't know that when I was a young mom, but how your childhood shapes your adulthood. So, and some people it makes them, some people have horrific childhoods, but it makes them, it makes them become who they are. And they become magnificent in many other ways. Some people fall off the bandwagon because of their bad childhood and don't find themselves to later on. And they might repeat the same patterns already in their own children. Some people have a fantastic childhood. And are so scared that they won't do the same for their own kids. They overcompensate. So maybe mm. I was one of those. Mm. But I felt like I had to make sure that she had the best childhood and the best experiences. And I couldn't say anything because she was such a gift as well, because we survived. Mm. So I should be very grateful that I survived mm. and made the most out of her. But then the pattern carried on with the other two, a little bit less. But I'll, I'll share with you later on in your questioning about that
1: okay no thank you I just I know I can relate to your story and I know so many others will as well so thank you for sharing that because it is hard and I think we cling on so tightly because we don't want to get it wrong you know we don't want to get it wrong we think we're gonna fuck up our kids excuse me yeah that's it that's exactly it and then it's your fault Yeah. yeah i mean how are they now they don't look, they're amazing. Do look like they're,
0: <laughs> they're amazing yeah they really are they're amazing children
1: yeah and and we do focus on the bad so what was the perfect, protective factor so you had the control you had the structure that enabled you to be the mum that in your head you thought you needed to be um and that wasn't all bad, but obviously they're, they're amazing now. And you have such a close bond. You're also connected. We so are. what was the, maybe the protective factor that you were doing that maybe didn't get the light shined on it so much because obviously the control kind of.
0: Yeah. See, I don't know what really I was trying to do. I don't know why I was keeping them so close, but then when I had Lucy and she gave me, well she nearly tipped me over the edge several times um she's just absolutely wild she's still wild now but she's just so funny she's the funniest thing and she is my best friend yeah. they all are I've got three best friends now which is incredible and I never thought that would be the case people used to say oh, when you're older they'll be your best friend and you would hear about uh, just after this phase then you they'll become your best friend and then there'll be another phase then after that phase and I was like when is it going to happen when And I started to enjoy them when I started to relax. But when you've got three, I did find that you have to let go. You have to. So you have to let go. And the thing was, in some families, you have one parent that is like that, and one parent that might be the freer one. But me and Mr. H are very much the same on the parenting scale. So we both feel exactly the same. We're heavily invested in our children, heavily invested in our family. But we found that it's safe to enjoy them. And if they did go to bed at 11 o'clock on holiday, it wouldn't be the end of the world, mm. you know, because I kept thinking "Oh, the torch at the other end. We'll have to get them back into that routine again. It was like, just calm down, just relax. No one's going to have, you know, a life changing experience just because they stayed up two hours later. It's not going to be the end of the world. But I think what happens is they get it gets easier. It definitely got easier for me. The more I had definitely mm. got easier. And then it also got easier the more that I made friends with when Jessica started school, and I made friends with moms, other moms because I didn't have any mom friends. I was twenty three, my friends were out clubbing, they were just like crazy, and they were still living their lives and phoning me about different boyfriends, and I was not on that page. But I enjoyed it because it was a great distraction. So it mm-hmm. took me away from being a parent. So I actually really loved their calls, mm-hmm. and we're still really good friends with them now. So. For me with that, switching off and relaxing and being with my friends was really good distraction. I think that's really helpful. Um, and then Mr. H, his mom, said something to me which has always stuck with me, and I didn't understand what on earth she meant at the time, but now I do. She said, and I said to her recently, she said she doesn't remember saying it, but she did. She said to me, Don't make your children your life because one day they will leave you. Yeah. And I was like, What? And she said, But what she actually meant was make sure you don't lose sight of who you are as a person. And it, it must have really stuck with me because I used to go out and have fun and see my friends and stuff. But it got easier parenting and I let the mask slip and go when Jessica started school. And I made friends with a group of moms. that one of them was so brave and I went out for dinner on Friday with her actually. Oh. And she just, she just said it as it is. She just said, I can't cope. They drive me insane. My children are the worst thing ever, <laughs> just what she said. And I was like, mine are too. Yeah. And then I was just like, who is this person? And this like weight went off my shoulders. And then she's like, why is it so hard with the school? Why do they want a form every day? And why is it wear what you like day? Why is it wear it pink day? Why is it Easter tombola? Why is it this? And like, I found I was never at work and always at the school watching some kind of play that was pointless. So it just got to the point where I found my people. So I strongly advise you find your people and find somewhere that you can be you with and you can actually express how you really feel and you will feel so much better.
1: Because what I'm hearing is a big part of letting go is actually just being honest, because one of the biggest things we carry is that mental load the mental load of motherhood and we think we're the only one struggling we think we're not up to the job we're not doing it right and everyone else is winning at life and I I could feel myself breathe when you said that and I think about the film that actually you told me about I miss I don't know where I was when all these films came out um probably in a club but um bad mums (laughs) and it is it's the honesty it's the relief So
0: funny.
1: yeah it's that relief because I think you know, when you see memes on Instagram and it's like, just let it go, I think a lot of people have put their fingers up and saying, Yeah, all right for you, but how? But hearing you say that, it's actually honesty as part of letting go because we hold in so much and we block our own energy. Yeah, we do. If we think how much we give to others, are we giving that same amount to ourselves? And we, when you were saying about, was it your mother in law's advice? Mm that one day they will leave. That's so true. That's so, so true. And I think we invest so much that we forget about ourselves. But actually mm-hmm. what I found and like from working with you, the more you invest in yourself, the more they want to be around you, the more they'll come back. In terms yes. of visiting, that that sense of connection and belonging lives on. That, that, mm-hmm. that legacy, that relationship, that friendship. And they watch you, don't they? Showing them their potential by investing. So when you kind of, you found your tribe, you expressed your honesty, the things are hard, you heard other people were feeling the same. Did things turn in terms of really stepping into your gift and your business? And, you know, is that when things started to change? And how do you approach that yeah. juggle in terms of, cause you have a thriving business. I mean, you're all over the place and I mean on, <laughs> online, um, but you're also yeah. with your family. So how did that kind of come about? How do you approach that juggle?
0: Well, I spent so long because I've got an ambitious streak in me, which I think so many of us have. And this, this well, I was saying to the beginning, back when I was like 22 or even younger, I knew I was meant for more. Like I knew I was here for a bigger purpose. And I spent a vast majority of my life kind of wandering around, trying to find out what that might be, having no idea it was my gift that was staring me in my face the whole time. And which is quite funny now when I think about it, it was so blind and so detached so this is why I encourage people to connect to themselves, because when you connect back to yourself and close down the noise, the answers come through to you and you can calm down the drama. So when I relax my energy about being a mom and relax my energy about being perfect all the time and just decided that was not going to happen because but this was back before the mommy bloggers were all so brave and put everything on Facebook and all of these kind of things and before social media bloggers became a thing. I started being honest in Facebook when it first opened about how I was really feeling as a mom. And I'd actually put the real things we did in the day and how they drove me insane and everybody, but then there was like the comedy element of it as well. And then I wrap it up with the teaching. So I was doing all of this and people were loving it. People going, what time are you posting today? Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. So I just, I did, I've gone past caring and I I thrived I was happier I was happier than I'd ever been and my children are so balanced and if you ever meet any of them they're so lovely and polite and they're all thriving in different areas of their lives so it did them no harm for me being honest and being raw being real and being human Mm. and then it wasn't until uh oh gosh 2015 that so not that long ago really where I started to really say no that was it I'm going to do something new with my life I'm going to have a fresh awakening and I joined network marketing. I had no idea what it was going to be. I wanted more flexibility. I was aware that running, a, running back to the corporate world and then spending an hour with my children wasn't serving me. So I decided to do network marketing, which for those of you who don't know what it is, it's where you sell products and you build a team. Um, and it's where you can have a flexible life. Also, it was seen. So I signed up to that. And then I had no idea that inside of this, I was going to learn all about mindset. So they taught me all about mindset, which I kind of didn't really listen to. I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do the products do? What's the skincare range? But there was every training was mindset. What are your goals? What are your desires? And I had no idea. I was like was I haven't got any. How sad is that? I had no goal, no desire. I had nothing. I was like, well, surely I'm just happy. No, I was completely disconnected. I had no idea. I was just in the here and now. So once I started creating goals and desires, I realised I was meant for more and I learned how to sort of do the basics of a business. And I learned that I already knew so much because I'd spent years watching my parents work in hairdressing shops. They used to have owned a train of hairdressing shops all over Birmingham and they were quite well made from it. They did a lot of work. They worked hard. But I learned so much and I didn't realise all those times I sat behind the reception waiting for my mom to finish work. I was soaking it all in and observing and watching her be the businesswoman and be the parent and juggling it. And it was all learnings. So it was like, she mm-hmm. said, I can't believe how much you took in. She I just kind of thought you were in a daze, but I was actually learning everything. So after that, um, I started to step into spirituality more, I started leaning in on the readings and I had more time to go and do them. So I was doing them privately as a secret psychic. Nobody knew what I could do. No one could find my phone number I was like Hitch, you know, the film Hitch. I was like that. You had to be introduced to me. I was very bespoke. So but I was fully booked. It was completely fully booked. And then what happened then was one of my network marketing leaders said to me, I'm going to go for a reading. And I said, oh, I do those. And I didn't think anything of it. I don't know why I told her because I was so private, but I obviously felt a bond with her. And she's like, oh, my God, do mine. Do it on Zoom because she lived far away from me. I was like, oh, no, it won't work on Zoom. I need to do it in person. When we next see each other, I'll I'll do it for you. She said, no, 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 do it now on Zoom. Just please, just just do anything, whatever you can. And I was like, okay. So I read for her and it went really well. She was really happy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. And I went and sat down with Mr. H and SETI and network marketing leaders, for those of you that don't know, have got thousands of followers, thousands. Sat down on the SETI, forgot to tell her it was a secret, didn't think anything of it she put a post on her Facebook page about what she'd just experienced and tagged me in. And I was about to sit and watch something on TV. Mr. H all settled and snuggled. The phone was going off like there was no tomorrow. It would not stop beeping. There was all these people telling me their stories and how they'd love to book in. And I was going red, I was panicking. I was deep breathing going, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be on there. Why, why has she done this? Oh my gosh. The and I sent her a message going, it's a secret. She's like, why are you so good? And I was like, because it's a secret. People think I'm weird. She's like, don't be so so stupid. You're not weird. You're normal. Go and share. I was panicking, really, really panicking. I was like, oh my God. And I had nothing to, I had no payment links. I had no calendar links. I had no way of telling them. I barely knew how Zoom works. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just literally said, I'll come back to you all. Made a list and spent three hours responding and booking them all in. Three hours. And then, next thing you know, I'm working over five hours a day, if not longer, doing these readings, one after the other, after the other, because I felt obligated because they'd messaged me. I had no idea of boundaries. And then I still had the girls. So I still had to pick them up from school and I was quickly feeding them. My office was the desk, uh, kitchen table. I was quickly feeding them and then running back to work at 7 pm. And then Mr. H would take over. So I don't know what was going on. I think I was just riding motion of it I didn't stop and pause and think is this working is this actually really good for you are you looking after your well-being I kind of just went with it I felt these people need me and it's my duty to help them and it took a while for me to realize actually I need to see my children I need to actually make sure when I pick them up I'm not going yeah 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 get in the shower quick and you now that's it go it's not it wasn't like that because when I was doing the readings they'd shout down you know what children are like they go to the toilet not take a loo roll with them there's no roll left <laughs> will you get me a luro yeah. and I'm like you need to be quiet I'm, like, I'm talking to spirit and they're like at the time obviously they were younger and they're like especially the baby lily she's like I don't know what you mean and I was like oh gosh so and then I had to have a conversation with them about what I could actually do and what I could yeah. and that was really difficult but they actually admitted that spirit had been to see them and yeah. that they they could see and then they, my eldest is very spiritual. She said she could see the cue of spirits walking up the stairs as I was reading. Oh so it's like they're all waiting one by one. So it, it was like that for a long time. The juggle was hard, but I made it work and made sure that the family are a priority. Family first. I always say that, as you know, family first, family always come as a priority. And the work kind of fits in around it. But I chose that it was going to be easy that way. I didn't choose that there was a sacrifice, like most people think there's got to be a sacrifice. And I chose to think differently. And going back to the very beginning, from a fresh perspective of I get to be a thriving entrepreneur, I get to be a fantastic mother, and I get to be all the things that are important to me. And everyone else gets to benefit from that. And when I changed my coding towards that, everything fitted into that remit, people came out of the woodwork to come and help me there was there was read people were happy to come onto my programs the cash flow meant that we could have a better life we could eat better we could hire help in in the house we could hire people to you know if there was something i didn't want to so for example i don't like driving on the motorway i now hire a driver to take me so it's not the end of the world there's always options for things it gave us options it gave us freedom it gave us a chance to enjoy more quality time together So when we go on holiday now, we have a more luxurious experience. We go to places that are life-changing for the girls. We set a different vibration for their future. We set a level where they only choose to rise from that platform. They get to expect that that becomes their normal. And from normality, they can rise and they can step into something more powerful, whatever that is for them, whatever their life path is going to be and what they choose to do. But we give them the parameters of stability a loving family and high expectations from a level that most people wouldn't experience mm. so to me that is life-changing to know that they've been to these luxurious places and they've eaten food that they wouldn't even think twice of. like they're going order squid and they're going order <laughs> the most like sushi they're going and eat sushi from like Marks and Spencers rather than going to McDonald's there's things like that that they just become accustomed to it's who they are um And that was just life changing when I realized I could do that for them Mm. and to give them tutoring when they need help at school and having people come to the house. And it's not an issue. It's like the level of support you can give your family goes way, way, way beyond anything else. And I was present. I'm still present now. And I'm with them. I'm present because I'm not worrying about money. I'm not worrying about, am I enough everywhere else? I'm not worrying about what my boss might say if I take next week off because it's half term. There's there's not that concern. There's not that heaviness. So I think we need to look as entrepreneurs at a different perspective and as mothers that you working ultimately gives them a different type of freedom. Why do we look at the bad? We should look at the other side because the other side is actually far more beautiful. And I've never been closer to my children. I've never spent so much time with them. And they look at me and they say, mom, I want to be even better than what you are. And that's their ambition now. And I said, well, that's amazing. You go and be what you want to be, darling. We support you 100%. But if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, know that that's enough. Know that if you don't want to do anything, you know, one of my children wants to be a hairdresser. She said, is that good enough? And I said, of course it's good enough because you're happy and your happiness is the most important thing. That's all that matters. So they know that those parameters are there and there's no expectations, no pressure. But it's just, it's a different way. And I wish I'd known that 20 years
1: ago. I wish. Because I can imagine there'll be people listening, thinking that they're kind of stuck in a box. They feel trapped. Mm -hmm. They feel that they have to stay. Maybe they're in jobs that they don't really feel fulfilled with, that they served them once, but now they've changed. Their values have changed. Their identity has changed. And maybe like you and me, they feel like they're meant for more. I think that is huge within this audience that I'm Mm -hmm. speaking to, that you've got that itchy soul and you feel like you're meant for more. And, And something that i noticed with you is you get energized by your job and i think that's huge and i feel like a lot of people are stuck in this exhaustive cycle groundhog day where they don't have the energy to actually be able to have the self-belief to take that step and you know you you had that friend you had that friend that kind of pushed you out there you know we i feel like that was spirit we all need We all need to be each other's cheerleaders and we need to be able to see the magic in people and be able to kind of give people a nudge. I think that's such a, a good message. But what would you say, take home to people that do feel stuck, that feel meant for more, but are stuck in the day to day grind and that worry of what will people think if I sacrifice this to go off and do that training or qualification? What would you say, knowing what you know with this new perspective and what you've been able to give? I think what we don't realize is that people will have opinions of you at every level
0: of your life Mm -hmm. and what they actually when they react to you in a negative way is because you're triggering something inside of them and they don't want to look at it and they don't want to face it and regardless of you you staying small doesn't serve anyone and you and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way but I mean staying small could be really good for you at the moment, your life could be tickety-boo staying small, it could actually be nothing to complain about, mine wasn't either at the time, but it can be so much greater, it can be so much greater, and if you are feeling worn out, and you're feeling like you just can't see the wood for the trees, I highly recommend you book two days off for you, just book two days off just for you, even if you can do one day would be phenomenal, and just literally spend the day with just you, no TV, no distractions, And just sit and meditate and walk and just journal and just feeling to you and just do something really that's just really exciting for you. Whether it be a little massage treat, whether it be a night in a hotel, whether it be a lunch by yourself, but something to spend some time by yourself and just get a little bit of perspective. Because when we still the mind and we stop trying to control how we do things and when we do things is when the magic unfolds and when we receive There can be a conversation. There could be something like when I ask for guidance from my guides on certain things I want to do. And then I know that it's coming and it will come in some way. And I don't even have to make sure I'm listening. I know it will be shown to me. That's what I teach you all, isn't it, Annie, as well? So I teach you all to be like that. But when the answer comes, it can come when somebody serves you that coffee. They could say something to you in a sentence and they don't understand why they've said it. And that's the message for you. So if you are on a hamster wheel and you're tired and you're trying to figure it all out for yourself, you're missing the magic of what's really available to you. So switch everything off and go go dark if you can, just even for 24 hours. It will make such a difference to your vibration, it Makes such a difference to you. Even if you spend the day asleep in bed, when you wake up, you could possibly have this moment, a long bath, you could possibly have this moment. There'll be something you'll stumble upon, something you'll watch. And you'll hear, listening to this podcast. That's not a coincidence pay attention to what's come through for you what's triggered for you when we spoke and what's been visualizing and sent to you those are the things you need to pay attention to and and know that you don't have to have it all figured out I had no idea I had no idea what I was doing but I trusted at every stage that I would be shown and I had nothing to lose and everything to gain so don't settle for mediocre fantastic and out of this world is just around the corner.
1: I, I totally agree. And I'm so I've just noticed the time. I don't want to keep you too much longer. But um, on the other side of things, you know, I'm not a psychic medium. I said at the beginning, not everyone can connect. I didn't mean that everyone can connect. Not everyone's a psychic medium. But I've learned through you how to connect with myself and how to yeah. create the space for this clarity to come through. And you're absolutely right. Like I've experienced this. When you do just allow yourself a little bit of space and time, And tune in. It's amazing what comes through in terms of messages, but also just being able to breathe and come at life from a slightly more relaxed, hopeful perspective off the hamster wheel. And just to finish, just to finish on, is there anything that you hear from spirit time and time again that is a really good take-home or message for the mums listening?
0: Yeah, they they say this all the time. New enough on every reading. And they literally say, live your life, live your life to the fullest and be present in the now, be present in the now. So set the desire, set the goals, set whatever it is that you want to set, but don't wait until then for yourself to be free, be free now, but know it's all coming. Find the beauty in everything you possibly can. Sounds so silly, yet it's massive. It's yeah.
1: absolutely massive. And sometimes we just need to trust. Yes, <laughs> we need to trust thank you so much it's been amazing i really appreciate you sharing your energy your wisdom your insights, and yourself thank with you us that. yeah thank you i feel like i've been really open
0: with you all which has been wonderful it's been so refreshing
1: yeah and I always remember that letting go is just being honest sometimes to find your try. find your try, definitely take care i'll speak to you soon thank you darling lots of love Wow. Thank you so much, Katie. That was awesome. I had all the feels and goosebumps. And thank you. Thank you for tuning in. It it means a lot. Um, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. If this resonates or you have any questions, drop me a message. And also, if you've enjoyed it, please go and leave me a five-star review. Um, It really, really means a lot and gets the message out there. And also, I encourage you Um, to go and follow Katie she has an amazing Instagram account full of so much uplifting and insightful content and she's also on Facebook as well and she has a website so I'm going to put the links to where you can find and follow Katie and if you're intrigued by her work um, do get in touch with her and like I said give her a follow Okay, brilliant. I hope you have a good rest of your week and I will be back next week with another episode of Behind the Mother Mask. Take care.